Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. One of our favorite charitable organizations and one that we support is St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. St. Jude has a four out of four star rating on Charity Navigator. Eighty cents of every dollar raised goes directly to research and treatment. Fifteen percent goes to fundraising and only five percent goes to administrative costs. They are the real deal. It costs $2.8 million per day to run the hospital, but it never charges patients for their care. That's over $1 billion of treatment and research every year. No children are ever turned away because of their parents' inability to pay. Their commitment is this. No family ever receives a bill from St. Jude because we believe all a family should worry about is helping their children live. We won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Go to stjude.org. Click on the red Donate button. You can use any major credit card, debit card, PayPal, or Amazon Pay. They'll even take your check. Let's give generously and help them save the lives of children. stjude.org is also linked in our Practical Prepping website. Well, good evening and welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here with us today, and we certainly appreciate you being here and we appreciate you sharing the podcast with others that you know. The podcast is growing exponentially, and it's all because of you, and we certainly appreciate that. Now, before we get into tonight's show, I want to make a couple of announcements for you. Next week, we will be having a special guest interview with Mike Shelby from Forward Observer. If you're not familiar with Forward Observer, go to their website, forwardobserver.com, and just do a little research on these guys. Mike's entire team is former military intelligence gatherers and analysts. They're now civilian intelligence gatherers and analysts, and they gather information that is of particular interest to preppers. They give you actionable information. If you would like to support the podcast, and we certainly appreciate those that do and have supported the podcast, but here's a way that you can do that, and it costs you nothing out of your pocket. You can start your Amazon shopping by going to our website, practicalprepping.info, practicalprepping.info, click on the Amazon link, and then shop as you normally would and Amazon pays us a little commission for that, and it would certainly be appreciated if you would do that. Now let's get into our topic tonight. Most of you are aware that there was a shooting last week on the movie set in New Mexico involving Alec Baldwin. Now, I have followed this. I've gathered as much information as I can on it. And I'm seeing some things that I really don't like. One is that some gun enthusiasts on social media are having a heyday with this. I'm seeing some statements like, glad it happened, couldn't happen to a better person. He should be charged with murder. Folks, this should not be. A young lady lost her life. We should take the high road on this and remember that that young lady lost her life. 
Now let's take a break for our sponsors real quick, and we'll come back and unpack this incident and see if there's some lessons that we can learn from this. Mark is a bit of a knife nut. He loves a good knife, and that's the very reason that I purchased for him a handcrafted Jim Curtis knife. Because a custom knife seems to have its own personality. It's unlike any of those generic knives you get at a big box store. Mark has a Jim Curtis knife that just screams, look at me, handle me, use me. It is made of Alabama Damascus steel, which holds a razor sharp edge and it is adorned with a beautiful red white and blue micarta handle i had it built for him special for a christmas gift last year and he proudly carries it as an off-duty edc knife you can have your jim curtis knife built to your design specifications or you can select one that he's already designed and built ready to be purchased Whichever you choose, it will come with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two band-aids. Yes, it's just that sharp. Check out Jim Curtis Knives on Facebook at facebook.com slash Knives, or drop him an email at j.curtis7mm at yahoo.com. Both of these links are in our show notes, and we'll also put them on the Practical Prepping website. Welcome back. We appreciate you sticking with us. Now, Alec Baldwin is not a nice person. He certainly has anger issues, and those have played out publicly. He's definitely a hypocrite. He's anti-anything that doesn't match his views. He's a staunch anti-gun activist, and it makes me wonder why he would be in so many movies using firearms. He's denigrated 2A supporters, Second Amendment supporters. He's verbally attacked Dana Loesch. He's made statements after police officers have been put in situations where they had to take the life of someone else in defense of their own. He supports all gun control. Now, he said this about the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not a moral credit card that buys you all the guns you want. That law needs to be rethought. He believes that we the people should not have firearms, but he surely wants his bodyguards armed. I get that a lot of people don't like him. I don't care for him either. I quit watching him long ago. But let's not forget that a wife and mother lost her life and the director was shot. 42-year-old cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed, and Joel Souza, the director, was injured. Here's what we understand right now, and this may or may not be factual. We've got to wait on the investigation to be completed. Information has changed and probably will change again. More of it will come out. Now, Baldwin was producing and starring in a movie being filmed in New Mexico, and that movie involved actors using firearms. Now, on that set, there were numerous violations of safety protocols. We know two unexpected discharges of prop guns had already occurred on the set in the days before the shooting. Now, we don't know if those were live rounds or blanks, but we do know that two unexpected discharges occurred on that same set. Now, in this particular incident, actors were going to rehearse a scene inside a chapel. 
Assistant Director Dave Halls stepped out and grabbed one of three firearms on a cart, and he gave that gun to Baldwin, and he told him it was a cold gun, meaning that it was unloaded. Now, let's look at the prop gun process. There's an armorer on set. In this particular case, it was 24-year-old Hannah Gutierrez Reed. This was her second movie as head armorer. She said earlier on a podcast that she was worried that she wasn't ready to be a head armorer. She's had reported safety violations in the past. This was a low-budget movie budget of six to seven million dollars and there were a lot of cost cut and an experienced armorer may have been passed over because of cost. Now the armorer is the only one to handle weapons before filming or before rehearsing. Now we know, those of us that are firearm enthusiasts, that the number one firearm rule is to treat all weapons as loaded. We should clear any weapon that we're handed or that we pick up. If we believe this to be an empty weapon, we need to check that weapon. Now, on the set, the best armorers will go through this process. They'll show it to the producer, show the producer that it's empty or clear or cold. Then he shows it to the actor that the weapon is clear. And he has the actor check the weapon in his or her presence. Also, in some movies, weapons are pointed at other people. And in that case, that weapon is shown to the person that it will be pointed at. That used to be standard police protocols during training before blue guns were developed. A blue gun, and you may have seen pictures of them, it's just, it's a plastic replica in shape only of any number of weapons. And today we have boxes full of Glock blue guns. They're the exact same size, weight, everything as a Glock 17, the ones that we carry. And before the blue guns, and I went through the police academy in the 80s, And one of the standard protocols that we did in training was there were some things that we had to point weapons at each other for that particular training. The protocol for that was that we checked the weapon, we showed it to our range officer, and we showed it to the person who was to be pointed at. So that was a standard training protocol long ago. Now, the armorer also supervises all weapons handling. And then when the shoot is over, and I mean the filming is over, or the rehearsal, the actor personally hands the weapon back to the armorer. It doesn't get passed around to other folks. Now, this raises some questions. Why were the weapons left unattended? Why were there three guns on a cart outside the chapel that had been built? Why was the armorer not with the guns? Where was Gutierrez Reed? Now, why did Halls not check the weapon when he picked it up or before he gave it to Baldwin? When he gave it to Baldwin, why did Baldwin not check the weapon? Now, I'll say this. This shooting was not intentional, but neither was it accidental. This was a negligent shooting. Negligence and firearms do not mix well. 
Now, there's another very important question, and I understand investigators are looking for this. They found 600 pieces of evidence that they have collected. 500 of those pieces of evidence were some type of ammunition. And in that ammunition, they have found a mixture of dummy rounds, blanks, which are normally used on set, but they have also found some live ammo. Now, the question is, why and how did live ammunition end up on the set? If criminal charges come out of this, it's very likely to be because of that live ammunition ending up on the set. And it's quite possible that it's going to be that person who brought that ammo onto the set. That's just my opinion. Now, live ammunition cannot be where there is any type of simunitions training, where there's any type of movie filming. Live ammo cannot be there. When we would go through, and even today when we go through any type of simunitions training, and if you're not familiar with simunitions, it's a very low-powered cartridge fired in a special gun, and the projectile is basically chalk. So you can shoot each other. Now, they hurt when they hit you. They're running about 300 feet per second, and they will hurt, but they leave a mark blue, yellow, white, whatever color that chalk is, it will leave a chalk mark on you. And it's how we practice certain force-on-force situations. Now, when we do this, we shake ourselves down, and then someone else searches us to make sure we have no live ammo, and then we are winded with a handheld metal detector, and any place that that thing detects metal And you can imagine that it will, on a police officer's belt, detect metal in a number of places, snaps, buckles, things like that. But every single place that it is indicating there's metal, that place is checked again so that there is no live ammo, period. Now, one of the disturbing reports that have come out is that some actors and crew members were plinking or target shooting or shooting at tin cans on the property during breaks. This shooting took place a little after one in the afternoon. And it's believed now that they were target shooting that morning. And I understand that that very same gun used to kill Hutchins was used with live ammo in the target shooting session. Now, there were three guns on that cart. One was a plastic replica, a non-operable plastic replica. The next one was an identical firearm that had had some modifications made to the cylinder. I don't know what those were. It's very possible that that cylinder could have been blocked so that no ammo could be put in it. I don't know exactly what that modification was. And then there was the third weapon, which contained the live ammo, which was used by Baldwin in the shooting. Never should any live ammo be anywhere near a set that is using a firearm. Live ammo should never be in the area of a movie set, in the area of simunitions training, or even in the room when we practice dry firing weapons. Sure, this is a tragic situation. Helena Hutchins, 42-year-old wife, 
mother, cinematographer, lost her life. And Joel Souza, the director, was injured. All of these questions will be answered in time. We may not hear about it, but they will be answered. There'll be civil liability, lawsuits filed, and possibly criminal charges. We'll just have to wait and see. But we know for a fact that this situation was avoidable, and it was avoidable by any number of people. If any one of these people had checked the weapon for live ammo, this would not have occurred. Now, what can we learn from this tragic situation? One is to treat all firearms as if they are loaded. Don't take someone else's word that it's unloaded. Check the weapon you're handed or pick up. If you go in a gun shop and you want to look at a weapon, the person behind the counter will take that weapon out of the counter to show to you, and they will check that weapon every single time. Then they will hand that weapon over to you. And the guys that are really know firearms and understand firearms and understand firearm safety, even though they just watch that person clear that weapon, they will clear that weapon again themselves every single time. And then when it's handed back to the person assisting you, they will check it again before they put it back into the case. Now, we need to teach these lessons and rules to our children and our grandchildren, and we need to enforce these rules. If we're shooting, if we're on the range, we need to enforce these rules. Good range officers are strict about enforcing these rules. And if anyone's being unsafe on a range where you are, leave or tell the range officer and they'll kick them off the range. Safety is too important. Now, also, when this subject comes up, as it might at work or around the table, take the opportunity to discuss firearm safety. Now, here's something else we can do. Pray for the people and the families of those involved. And yes, like him or not, that includes Alec Baldwin. We'll see you next time. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes and share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.